Hey, hello, it's your girl Sandra. Welcome to the Southside Trap Podcast. We're here to record and recap a Chicago Red Stars loss, a second consecutive loss. Chicago Red Stars heading to Portland and take on the Portland Thorns in Providence Park in their home opener, and they lose 3 0. And not going to be fun to talk about, but still kind of fun to talk about. Because sometimes when you lose and you get your ass kicked, you get to talk about things that you don't get to talk about in wins or draws. And in between all these lines, there's kind of some crazy things going on. And no one can do anything alone. No one can ever do anything alone. So I'm here tonight to talk about this game with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. The Scam Originator. How are you doing tonight, Claire? Hello. Uh... <laughs> Did I build you up? I uh, you up. I know. Um, <laughs> Lift you up, homie. Let's do this. You know what? Every day you wake up alive is a blessing, and I'm embracing that this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Listen, guys. <clears throat> We're going to talk about a lot of things, right? I don't know how much of it is actually going to be about the match, honestly. We're going to talk about well, some we're it's we're we're in a good position though because you watched it on replay which meant that you knew that it was crazy before you even started yeah um, do you want to we should maybe talk a little bit about like our build-up to watching this game sure. right period yeah so like this we previewed for for those of you who are joining us after this this loss if you didn't listen to last week's episode claire and i previewed this match and we had said a couple things like um you know, we we kind of gotten away from score predictions uh, on this podcast. I kind of didn't. That's not something that I wanted us to do. Every once in a while, we might throw one out there, but it's not something that we like. Uh, you know, st- like stay harp on or anything like that. Uh, but we definitely mentioned like some players that we wanted to have like uh, good matches and stuff like that, uh, or impact games, and what we thought might have you know came out of that match and. Um, I think some of those things we predicted pretty well, actually. Um, but in that in that preview, I mentioned how like it was going to be difficult for me to cover this game. I'd had some family stuff happening. Shout out to my parents for holding it down and being married a hella long ass time. Uh, we went out to celebrate their anniversary, so I had plans uh, instead of watching this game. So I was sort of watching it in increments. Um, while we were sort of going out and um, meeting up with my, my brother and sister a lot to go celebrate my parents. And it was interesting sort of like watching this unfold in increments again uh, on my phone and also sort of like seeing Twitter react to things. And Claire, I know you had a situation where you also kind of shared this game in this moment in like a shared space and a collective space as well. Right. Yeah. Did What did I say? I said that I had, I, I, I told in our in our Chicago outfit DM message. I I told you and John that I had it on in my living room, and the gals were embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, "Oh, guys, my friends are here." Yeah. Gee. <laughs> <laughs> this is the team that I cover. <laughs> this was one of those games where it was like you're you cover this team, and and when they announced like the the local. Uh, broadcasting deal or, or partnership, I should say, with NBC 
local uh like chicago sports you're like oh yeah like this can this game can like always be accessible yeah uh, even I someone- even my roommate like in the second half he was just like they can't get the ball and i was like <laughs> i know <laughs> it's a lot it's a lot yeah so i mean we we had sort of um i think in previewing this match and then sort of it going through it and experiencing it for this the, that first uh watch through um sort of were able to maybe i don't know i want to say predict or whatever sort of maybe gauge like how things were going to be looking um i think everybody automatically knew going into a place like uh portland for their home opener was going to be probably a difficult task for any team that was assigned that game you know what i mean let alone (laughs) the chicago stars i'm pretty sure you have a team like i don't know sky blue going in there they're probably getting wrecked (laughs) you know three zero as well it's just one of those things man um but they uh like they always do the Riveters, Portland Thorns, they, uh, Portland Thorn fans, they came and showed up for their team. I believe it was like 20 K, which was like a record for like a Thorns home opener. So that was very cool. Those newly renovated schools of Portland seats, uh, came in really well. Uh, they very loud on the broadcast, so I can't imagine how loud it actually was in stadium. Um, but for kickoff, we're going to jump into these lineups, right? Talk about, uh, this game a little bit for the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, they rolled out with Emily Boyd in net, Sarah Gordon, Katie Naughton, um, Casey Short, and Aaron Wright rounded out the back line. Danny Colabrico came back to start this match. Uh, Nikki Stanton, Michelle Vasconcelos, Yuki Nagasato, Vanessa DiBernardo, Katie Johnson rounding out that starting 11. Uh, Claire, what were some of your impressions seeing this uh, lineup out there? Um, I mean, a couple of things. One being that, uh, they're sticking with they stuck with the 4-3-3 even though they struggled against Washington last week. Um they put Danny Colaprico back in that midfield which is how it's meant to be um in this moment. Um though obviously it's clear it was clear that she's not 100%. Um they didn't put her in because she was 100% ready to go. It was, you know, probably another game day decision to see how she was feeling and um she was feeling good, so they put her in and that was good. Um I mean, the, yeah, I, I, in the moment, I was happy. I am still happy that they're sticking with that 4-3-3. I think they have to. Um, I think they have to stick with the vision and make it work. I wish it had worked better, but we'll get to that part. Um, I don't know. I, I have also, I mean, I have a thought about the, the beginning of the game. I don't know if you want to run down who, who Portland brought out first. I think we should. I think it's kind yeah. of important, um, you know, for people who maybe don't follow the Red Stars, um, you know, as religiously as some other folks out there. You know, this is this sort of weird uh, stretch of games where every team is missing their sort of heavy hitters and superstars and international players as they're off for the World Cup. So to go up against this Portland squad right now, you're seeing a very sort of quote-unquote depleted squad, right? Depleted in the sense of their international superstars. So so for Portland Thorns, this is how they rolled out for for their starting 11. They had Britt, uh, Britt Eckerstrom in, in that, uh, Gabby Seiler, Emily Mingus, um, Kathy Reynolds, Megan Klingenberg running out the back line. You had Angela Salem, uh, Dagny Bridges' daughter, Elizabeth Ball, uh, Anna Maria Cernogorchevis, uh, Mitch Purse, and Simone Charlie running out their starting 11. And I think when looking initially at these two starting lineups, despite everything, right, 
being on the road, going all the way the hell to the West Coast, uh, being in a home opener for Portland Thorns FC in front of a stacked crowd, coming off of a loss already. Like, despite all that, you're looking at that lineup and you're like, yeah, this is a really good lineup for the Red Stars versus what you maybe were looking at for Portland Thorns. And you're like, wow, they're missing a lot <laughs> of their regular regular usual suspects yeah and 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 also this is kind of how it this is how it played out um just what chicago was attempting to do versus what portland was attempting to do was so different um because portland has lost so many players and, and are playing a lot of depth though i mean their their back line is relatively um intact they got two out of four back there but and they also they've switched to, but this is what i'm saying they've switched to the three back a lot of times um they're playing very direct they're sending balls forward to very fast forwards in purse and charlie they've changed the way they're playing to fit the personnel that they have whereas chicago is trying to because they know that they have so much trying to still develop a very specific style with the players that they have missing. Um, And I think we saw a lot of that in this game. We saw this in Washington last week too, where these teams that are adjusting to very simple, basic soccer um, are doing quite well. Whereas Chicago looks a little bit lost. I do just want to say watching it on my TV, um, uh, you get through the first five minutes of that game and you're just like, Oh my God, they are fucked. Like <laughs> it was so loud. Oh, I think it took us what? 15 minutes. <laughs> um, and, and Rory said after the game, you know, he said that they've all played in big games. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You sure. can't prepare for that. No. Um, no, you that and, and and I understand the idea. They're professional athletes. They should be able to withstand it and all of that sort of stuff. And I would say to a certain extent, I don't think they completely lost their minds, but w- Portland was so hyped from oh, the man. opening whistle. And it's not so much that Chicago was affected by the crowd. It was that Portland was affected by the crowd and yeah. they were just ready to go. And yeah, I was like, I, I, I think I tweeted this. I thought to myself, I don't know how Portland doesn't score in the first half hour. And I don't know how after that happens, it's not just over. Yeah, no, I, for people who uh, may not have been able to experience this, you know, last NWSL championship was in Portland and the thorns were, you know, going up against North Carolina courage. And it didn't matter that Portland played bad in that, in that championship final ended up losing the atmosphere within that place was historic and like ridiculous. And I felt like just watching this on the replay, um, the crowd almost was reaching a similar level to that sort of environment. Yeah. Which is why I said, wow, if it's really loud on the stream, I cannot imagine how loud it is there live you know in the moment because i'm pretty sure they lowered <laughs> or like altered the level of crowd noise yeah right on that yeah. stream you know what i mean so and i think we sort of mentioned that a bit in our in our previewing of this match how we just sort of felt i think i don't i said something along the lines of like i don't know if it's gonna 
if there's going to be a resolve that it's because of what's happening on the pitch, more what's happening around them. Right. Um, and I think those first 30 minutes of that match in the first half were so, so important and credit to the red stars, because I think for the most part, maybe, maybe the first 10 minutes that I watched of that match, uh, they look like they were trying to go ahead and still basically stick to their, their game plan. Right. Um, despite, we're talking a lot about a hundred percent Mitch purse, right? Within the first three minutes of this match gets a, like a post shot, right? It goes off the crossbar. Yeah. She was ready to go. She was like absolutely hyped from the jump, like at the whistle to get this going and pick up where she left off. Cause Mitch purse already scored a couple goals last week. So she was just ready to keep that going. So within the first, even though that happened, the rest are sort of tried to, I think, collect themselves. And then they kind of came back and tried to make something happen in themselves. You had Yuki try to sort of motivate and build up and create some kind of some stuff. And then all of a sudden it was a bit of, I don't know what kind of, like it was just this weird, it wasn't a mental lapse. It looked like the Red Stars were trying to execute their game plan. We talked a lot about how we're, we're happy that they're sticking with this four three three, right? Like trusting that whole process and making sure that they are sort of seeing this out, right? But seeing how it played into their defending, right. especially on this on this first goal, especially. Yeah. Um, I believe it was Sarah Gordon who tried to come up and, and play on on Simone Charlie, and Simone Charlie ends up threading this ball through that just ends up beating it was a really nice pass entire yeah and the entire back line and it was just one of these passes that broke through the line and it was just it turned into one of these like oh shit kind of moments and Mitch Purse delivered and the Red Stars found themselves down um 1-0 after being able to sort of withstand everything that had been happening for like past 28 29 minutes it was really too bad because they had calmed the game down a little bit after maybe the first 15 um and it it, the pace started to get a little bit more even Chicago was doing a better job of possessing the ball um you know I uh I don't I don't want to lean too much on on what you know Dame said at the end of the after the game but um he did say that you know what Portland presented to them you know, they didn't, the coaches always say this, but so that they weren't surprised by it, that they just got beat. Um, and that's where I wonder a little bit if, um, not having Danny Colaprico at a hundred percent and far from it, maybe 60%, um, having your, one of your defensive midfielders struggling like that physically, it leaves a gap. Um, and you've got purse and Charlie who are both really fast and and smart i mean yeah mitch purse is is she really had a great game um and i think that at there were just moments you saw this with katie naughton too where it wasn't so much that it was a, a lapse in sort of a positioning sort of way they just got beat um and that's kind of what that's sort of how that first goal went down and it was too bad because that that first goal was not like a wave of emotion, sort of a goal. That was um, them just getting beat in the back. 
Well, you know what was a wave of emotion? That second goal. Yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> that, that second goal happened. Right. Exactly like three or four minutes uh-huh. right after that first goal. And I know we're talking about how this first goal wasn't maybe so much positioning, but I got to wonder if maybe that second goal was a little bit. Yeah. Because Simone Charlie, again, we're talking about a lot about Mitch Purse, but these goals, these goals happen because of Simone Charlie. Yeah. And her movement on this ball and her ability to serve, serve these passes through to, to Mitch Purse. Um, she makes her way up to she makes her way up to the the flank there over on the left side and um while she's marked and defended well for whatever reason Mitch Purse was not on this second goal no she was wide open and this ball you know Simone Charlie I guess attracted enough of this attention to where she still is able to serve in this ball and Mitch Purse had not only space but I want to say time like she probably could have took a second touch and still got this goal it was very calm the finish she did not Absolutely. feel rushed in any way <laughs> not at all and on the replay it's just uh agonizing because you just see this look on Aaron Wright's face like son of a bitch yeah <laughs> like, right and it's just it's just one of those moments it's like a moment that I feel the Red Stars have seen repeatedly when it comes to playing Portland Thorns I think when I was uh Rewatching this match and sort of tweeting through it because sometimes you got to tweet through it. Um, watching that second goal happen in the moment, I was just kind of like, wow, like that's just a classic Portland on Chicago violent goal. Yeah, like just right. place that with, with Lindsay Horan right. or Christine Sinclair specifically. Uh, I can't, I've lost count of how many times there's maybe been a goal where someone has just been left open. Uh, like that so to go down not just one goal after 30 but two goals after 30 after sort of trying like possibly reigning in you know you can't reign in the crowd but you can reign in that team right Right. after sort of possibly reigning in that team um, to go down two goals that quickly uh, feels like I think a little bit more than a gut punch on the road in front of 20k after losing last week it well, yeah, I mean, we, we you know, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. A lot, I felt like part of this game was informed by last week's game, um, psychologically, or even physically. Um, Chicago's played kind of tired, um, especially in the second half of the Washington game, the first half of, of the Portland game. Um, they, I'm sure, I'm sure they were just trying at that point to survive the next you know, 60 minutes, um, you know, get back to their game plan, work some stuff out. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, it, it, it goes back to the Washington game where none of those goals were flukes or shouldn't have happened, but you also have to feel a little bit unlucky to concede, um, which is actually something Chicago needs to work on. They can't be possessing in the midfield and then, giving things up in the back and then going down and then being like, Oh, well it was too bad. We couldn't execute our game plan. Like you have to adjust for that. Um, I, yes, my thought when the second goal happened was that was like a, that was a bonus. That was a bonus goal because of the first one. Um, not that the play itself wasn't great, but Chicago got super stretched there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think that second goal more than that first goal was just, a little bit more, like if you had to choose of the three goals that happened, like I think maybe that second one was probably the one that was most 
I guess for lack of a better word, maybe demoralizing a right. little bit. Right. Um, like there's goals that happen in a game because it's a soccer, right? And then there are goals that happen in games that kind of mess you up, right? right? Um, that might have been one of those. So uh, they eventually did get out of that second half, kind of, I think, maybe felt like they wouldn't at some point. Um, really quickly before we segue into that, uh, a really garbage thing happened during this match. Oh, it and sucked. And we got to talk about it because it kind of wrecked me. Yeah. Uh, like, Angela Salem uh, for the Portland Thorns ended up going down on the pitch after some uh, non-contact. And uh, everyone who has sort of watched this sport or we, covered this game in some know. type of way knows what that kind of looks like. Yeah. And to have that, see that happening to a player like Angela Salem just – Playing out fucking sucks. Like, yeah. there's no sugarcoating that. Um, it's, I think for you and I, just specifically, like on a personal level, covering this game and knowing sort of what goes into um, these players and their day to day and sort of trying to just exist as professionals in a women's professional league and the struggles that come with that. Um, to see that happen to a player like Angel Sam, just like I said, fuck it sucks. Um, this league and so many of the leagues, professional leagues that have happened prior to the NWSL exist and run and function because of players like Angela Salem. Um, yes, there are superstars and international players who are gone on the World Cup right now. But while the league continues, it's players like Angela Salem who are on the pitch making sure that it does. So seeing something like that happen, absolutely 100% sucked. Um, nothing has been confirmed or has come out yet. Um, so I guess for now we could just say we could hope for the best, but it did not look great. Um, she was down for an extended period of time and ended up having to be stretchered off the field, meaning like she couldn't put any weight um, on what looked like a knee. Uh, contact because she immediately uh, grabbed that and, and you know seemed to be in, in some pain so uh, I hope for the best on that but that definitely was one of those things where it just felt like this half just wouldn't end so you just sort right. of had these goals happen and to sort of see that witnessing that um, that energy sort of gets sucked out in that moment was just you're talking about soccer being this like emotional ride like this game in itself and just in that first half I think sort of experienced a, a range of those emotions that soccer can bring. Right. Um, so eventually this first half did end um, with the Red Stars needing to make some adjustments. Right. So this was the second game in a, in a row now for the Red Stars uh, needing to go in a halftime, make some adjustments and come out and try to execute those things um, after sort of playing down, right? Um, we're seeing the Red Stars out of these last two matches needing to respond to playing down a goal. And some interesting stats and stuff that I was looking at prior to us jumping on this podcast and like having to analyze this game, but uh, Chicago Red Stars have struggled in general when they have conceded first. Um, in these matches prior to this match, there were um, three matches that they had conceded first and two of the three had resulted in losses because of it. Um, 
and the other one was was a draw. So now we can add on this this fourth match, and it's going to be three <laughs> losses. Right. So just having to like go into halftime and be able to make these adjustments, and I was a little curious to see how these things were going to look. And I immediately started thinking about sort of what you and I were talking about um, and things we would like to see. Uh, we talked, I know I talked a little bit about Danny Colaprico about whether or not she was going to be in this game and it was probably going to be a factor. I think her, um, her efforts didn't go unnoticed. Like I, like I said, I just, we both said on this podcast, sorry, she's not playing at a hundred percent, but for whatever reason, Danny Colaprico um, at not a hundred percent is still an incredible player who can provide something for a team like the Red Stars. Um, especially I think going up against the mentality about going up against the, a, a B team in Portland, I think was smart, you know, to have her there. Um, I thought Nikki Stanton did her job again. Um, I think at one point we said that this was going to be a Nikki Stanton podcast now, <laughs> um, you know, but it was just one of those games where I think you lose some of these, good performances that were happening on the pitch because of the scoreline. Right. Uh, and w- another thing that I liked um, going in out of the second half is instead of moving to that diamond like they did last week um, in the midfield, they instead pushed Aaron Wright further forward. They did what they did against Portland the first time. Um, they went into more of a three back and put Gilly, you know, in the midfield which is where she wants to be anyway, quite frankly. So she was thriving. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. She? yeah. Out there and she was thriving. She was like, yes, it yeah. is my time. She's like, this is where I'm meant to be. She's just this swimming through time. the ocean of the midfield. Free you as a bird. Actually, you all are actually cheering for me. It is I, uh. <laughs> I have come to perform. And honestly, I was here for it, man. Yeah. Like, Again, because that was that was something that we discussed uh-huh. in the preview. Yep. These were literally our players that we were like, they're gonna have impacts. Like we wanted to see Nikki Sand, we wanted to see Danny Govrigo, we wanted Katie Johnson to have a game where she felt good about herself, and uh, Aaron Wright. We wanted there to be an Aaron Wright game, right? And unfortunately, it was just an Aaron Wright half. But oh my god, it was great. There, yeah, the there prop- were some moments. Oh, yeah. we, we, there were some moments when like rewatching it where I was like, how the hell? Did some of these not go in? I know. It was it was unlucky. And I know, you know, people are very upset that it's they've gone two games without scoring, you know, for the first time since the beginning of time. But you look at last week's game and this week's game, some of it actually was unlucky. Now, obviously there are issues there and we'll get to those, but when it comes to the actual scoring of a goal, it's just it just didn't go their way this time. I will say this though, pivoting into my frustration, um, other than that it was clear maybe after the seventieth minute that they just didn't have a lot left in the tank after, you know, chasing, um, is it was like the opposite problem of last week. Last week they would get into the box and they would move the ball around and they'd be like, "Uh, you take it. And then, you know, something would happen and they wouldn't be able to get a shot off this week. They were sending dingers over the wall. Every time they got to the, to Portland's in front of Portland's goal. It was like the opposite. It was the opposite anxiety where they were just like, they, I have to get a shot off. And the shots themselves were so poor and they were just giving it right back to the thorns. 
Yeah. Uh, who likes baseball? Because the home <laughs> runs, they were out of the park, they baby. They were out of the park. <laughs> Even Danny. Cool. Danny had like three or four of them where I was like, lower it down a little bit. Yeah, I the, think again. She was, in, she was in, really channeling like the Julie Ertz like clearance <laughs> in the attacking third. Someone's got to be Julie Ertz. It's going to be me. Whack it. <laughs> Someone's got to kick this ball the hell out of here. Yeah, no, I, again, like, rewatching this stuff and then looking at the numbers and looking at the stats, I think one of my moments in, like, <laughs> watching this game, I was, like, looking at the numbers and I was, like, channeling my inner Rihanna and I was like, ooh, I love the way you lie because <laughs> part of these numbers felt like a lie, bro. Like, you have the, the, the zero goals, you have the total shots versus the shots on targets and off target, you know what I mean? And it's the Red Stars ended up coming away with 28 total shots yeah, in this game. In the second half alone, right. there were 20. You know, like it's it was it was unreal and then but you go back and you're looking at some of the the quality of those shots yeah. and the sort of you know, decision making and taking some of those those shots and you could see why that number maybe is a bit inflated, you know what I mean? Um but yeah, you could just see it this game sort of get to a point where they had to try something you know they, they ended up making a few a few subs um but the subs themselves sort of just felt like they came at a point where it was just like well we've clearly been chasing this game for a while right. it sort of felt like they wanted this unit this particular personnel to sort of figure it out you well, know what i mean it was also inter- it was, get something on the right. scoreline it was interesting too because in the last two games they've had at least one sub at like the 55th minute I don't think there was a sub for Chicago until after the 70th this weekend. No, um, Maria Sanchez was the first sub for the Red Stars, and that didn't happen until, I believe, the 76th or 77th minute. Yeah. And who came on for for Vasconcelos? Um, My God, Kayla Sharples, congratulations. Clap, clap, clap. Got her first pro debut in the 80th minute. first yellow card. (laughs) And her first yellow card. We were here, here for the beat, the beat, the beat, (laughs) blow them up, blow them up. Um, yeah, Kayla Sharp was ended up coming on for, it was, you know, for Katie Johnson, you know, so you're talking about a defender coming on for an offensive presence. And then you had president Brooke Elby gracing us with her presence in the 84th minute coming on for, for Katie Naughton. Um, so these were all very, very late, uh, substitutions, you know, just not a lot of time there for, um, some of these players to, to make a huge impact unless if you're Sharples and earning that yellow on the day, um, <laughs> Maria Sanchez um, had a couple moments where yeah. she, you know, she megged her defender she and was able, was able to get her cross in. That's apparently that's just something that she does now for the Chicago Red Stars as she subs on. I'm gonna sub on and, and meg somebody and embarrass them and try to get a cross in. Um, that's like apparently what she could provide for for this team. Um, but just not just too late in the game, you know what I mean? And I think at this point, just like you said, that you were just just kind of chasing. And at this, it was still two zero. You know what I mean? There, there wasn't like a whole. It was just we're running out of time, kind of vibe. You know what I mean? But with Portland on this third goal that we have to talk about, because it was just like a bit of a that's done kind of goal, right? Um, you had their late game substitution in Marissa Everett, who's on a national team contract with the Portland Thorns, right? Coming on for Simone Charlie, who had had an excellent game uh to that to that minute and subbing on and i believe it was a free kick that was conceded by the red stars yeah 
Uh, it was served in by, by Megan Klingenberg, um, and Marissa Everett ended up getting on this ball and sort of breaking away and uh, getting a goal in on, on Emily Boyd. I mean, it was just perfect spot, perfect timing. It was, you know, Emily Boyd did what she could, you know, made herself big, tried to challenge the shot. Not a whole lot you can do there. Um, goalkeeper does a job, but it still went in the back of the net, you know, and that's how this match ended, uh, 3-0. Um, so you had this Portland Thorns team, I think, just incredibly, incredibly motivated from the jump to just carry their momentum from getting this win uh, the previous week where Simone Charlie and Mitch Purse were already sort of built, like building this budding chemistry coming into this home opener. Um, they haven't had a home opener all season. It's June now. You know, they were able to finally unleash themselves and get you know in front of their fans and everybody came to play even including their fandom right so i think it was just one of these games that probably feels much much worse a because of the scoreline right uh i think b because it's a consecutive loss right it's coming you lost the week before lost again in a place like portland and uh you know it's happening before the red stars go on a world cup break and have a bye week right so there's some things that are going to come into play for the chicago red stars uh that are probably going to actually feel much worse for some of you guys out there listening um there's some potential for the the red stars are going to just have to sit back during that bye week um while other teams are still playing and you know vying for points and, and positioning right um, and they're not going to be able to sort of come back into the ring and be able to throw back a few punches of their own until June 23rd. Um, but I think, I don't know, do we want to talk a little bit about maybe overreacting? Yeah, I mean, I think <sighs> Chicago lost 5-2 to two to Orlando last year with Sam Kerr. Like, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that they up. They lose because- games sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, it's not. Look, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think there's a little. I think for whatever reason, when it comes to women's soccer or this league in particular, um, because of the type of, I know people like to talk about parity and stuff like that, especially within a World Cup year. How I think that that feels more realistic, right? Um, where the whole concept and idea of like any given Sunday and like it could be anybody's game, and there is no easy game when it comes to the NWSL. Um, that every point is is valuable right so <clears throat> when you drop two there's like this weird sense of uh not even urgency but almost panic but i don't know i i feel like i'm using the word overreact because this is happening in week seven and week eight of the season for the red stars a team who i think already has a game on everybody else right um I think some some yeah some teams I think are either at seven matches played some are at six some are and the rest I think are eight, eight. yeah um, and the rest are eight themselves and are one of the teams that haven't had a bye week yet um, and this is a long season and uh, it's a twenty four game league right and you hear it all the time from all these teams and the players and the coaches about how the season is just a grind even when it's not a world cup or olympic year you know what i mean and bringing up how the red stars lost 
last year in May, right? 5-2 to an Orlando Pride team that they ended up knocking the hell out, right? In in the season. It's just like, it's important, I think, to remember that kind of stuff as people maybe want to try to overreact or place blame for losses right. like this. I don't think there's a lot of that to go around. Yeah, at least people right have been now. kind of aggressive about it, especially with the players. Yeah, it's players. a little bit weird. It's yeah. a little weird to me, guys. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, leave him alone. Right. Don't ask Yuki. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> he's like literally oh, the best. Yeah. I think earlier in this season I said, none of us deserve Yuki Nagasato. And I still mean that after two losses. Do not deserve that player. But she's here. And that's amazing. So don't at the players. Like, what are you doing? Also, so it's like, not- also, don't. The other thing, too, is. Sam Kerr is about to have a really big moment. Like, they know that. They know that she's not there. And that, and, and, you know, Rory keeps bringing this up because I think that it's true. I think that that is an added level of psychological difficulty for everybody that's different than the U.S. players. She's the best striker in the world. Like, it's just different. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the Red Stars are a team that are, I don't know, aware of that. Right. And who are like, that they have this very special teammate uh, in somebody like uh, Sam Kerr, right? But yeah, no, they're not strangers to losses. I don't think any team in this league is a stranger to losing, right? You lose in this league sometimes. And the Red Stars, just for people out there who like numbers and stats and stuff like that, we like numbers and stats, but the Red Stars, going into their break, uh, are in the middle of the table um, at 11 points. And they are actually, at this time last year at week eight, they are a point better than they were this time last year. Yeah. Uh, so just chill, everybody. Yeah, like, I mean, on. we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe maybe this is going to take a turn, but it has, I mean, gotta tr- you got a TTP, man. You got a hashtag TTP. That's what you got to do, man. Uh, but again, I, I don't think any team specific, specifically talking about the Red Stars are strangers to losses like this. I mean, you're talking about a team that went on a three-game losing streak. What did I say? Like in 2017 and yeah. still made playoffs. You know what I mean? We had this same, ex- you know, for the most part, this same exact personnel on this roster go through a 2018 season and literally just draw their way into into the playoffs. I think you know? also I think also an underrated thing is um and part of this actually is Chicago's fault because they have put forward this narrative that they're more fit this year than they were last year. They're always like, "Yeah, we got our depth in there because of our injuries last year and everyone's more fit and blah 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 blah. Everyone's more fit, but they're all gone for the World Cup." Um and I think that <laughs> yeah, I mean Chicago played a lot of really good teams to start the season they haven't had a break yet um the weight on Colaprico and DiBernardo because Morgan Bryan made that U.S. roster was greater than I think Chicago was anticipating they've played more minutes than they thought they were going to have to play as we recall they looked really great when they had Morgan Bryan and could then bring you know Vanessa DiBernardo yeah. on at the 60th um, I don't know guys I think Morgan Bryan was a good piece yeah yeah <laughs> And, I don't know. And, and so I think that you're seeing fatigue, not only physical, but, but mental as well. And, um, yeah, I think the it doesn't feel good to go into this break off of, you know, two-game loss, but or two, yes. Um, but 
it's also kind of out of sight, out of mind. They'll start over. Hopefully their legs will be feeling a bit better. Um, and they'll go from there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we're not actually going to do a, a preview for you guys this week because uh, the rest of us are taking three weeks, and I think we might as well. Um, but There's we a- will probably we're, – we're going to come back with a, probably a, a, just a very specific preview episode for that match that will take place on June 23rd against Rain FC. It's going to be their Bark in the Park match. Um, so, so no preview today, I guess, just to sort of maybe close out this episode. Uh, would like to – I don't know. Let's end with maybe some good things that you caught out of this match. Were you satisfied with some of your predictions or your player performance picks? What yeah. Are you, what are good things for you? Good things for me. I, I I did tweet some of these because I was like <laughs> losing my mind. But um, uh, Michelle Vasconcelos's defensive work rate was very good in this match. She tracked back a lot, which. Yeah, you could argue maybe that she should be more purposeful with her running sometimes. Maybe she's too selfless in that respect. Um, But I thought that she worked really hard to cover her back. Um, I thought uh, I like that the coaching staff knows that Wright can do this thing that they do with her. Um, Because I think that she is a player that is not she she's kind of this this hybrid that you know Chicago is trying to utilize in different ways and um I like that going into the three back with with the extra player in the middle I think that that's a good trick um to have in their arsenal um I liked that Sanchez came in and didn't look phased um I like that Sharples came in and didn't look phased uh I thought Nikki Stanton worked really hard and at the very least and this was true last week, and it was true this week, I am not bothered by what either of the teams that they played did against them. It's now just where they can figure out how to do what they want to do. Yeah, I think that um, <clears throat> we're referencing a lot of um, post-game stuff, and I just want to thank, uh, Caitlin Best really quickly. Yeah, for sure. Um, because she, shout out to, to K-Best, who, um, as you all know, uh, does a lot of great work for both Equalizer and has had her byline all over the place. She's got a great piece out on Sinclair right now in Holler. Um, but she's local to Portland, covered this match, and was very cool and was able to get us some post-game audio with Rory Dames and also Danny Colaprico. So we've been referencing that a lot. It's not the greatest, so I don't think we're going to have that on here for you guys, but we've been paraphrasing a lot of that stuff. And I think, again, coming out of this match, uh, similar to the match against the Spirit, as we saw, um, the messaging that comes out from these losses, I think, is very important. And I think part of the Red Stars culture is um, knowing who they are and knowing themselves, right? And I think it's important to know that they're aware of where they're, the games that they just had and how they've looked and how they've played. And I think it was Danny Colaprico who said that they're ready for a little bit of a break, right. you know. Um, and Rory Dames just sort of um, echoed that for, for the most part. And I think so much of their uh, culture has been referenced uh, before in the past by coaches and, and players. Um, but it's it's a very unique position right now, I think, that the Red Star sort of um, find themselves in because 
yes, there's a World Cup happening right now. And yes, there's every single team in this league who is impacted by uh, star players or international players uh, missing from some of their rosters. Uh, But you have teams like Portland who are missing a huge amount of players. You have teams like North Carolina missing a huge amount of players, uh, you know, and a team like uh, Chicago who are missing a huge amount of players and sort of needing to, even though you have a team like Chicago where they have that culture in place, uh, there's these moments that you go through, I think, where you have to just sort of recheck in and reestablish who you want to be because this core group of players right now, I think need to just sort of check back in with themselves and re-identify with who they're trying to be for this next stretch of games because they already know who they are when they're a full roster. You know what I mean? And I don't know um I don't know if they're sort of figuring out their identity who they want to be right now for this like stretch of, you know, four to six games. You know what I mean? Um so I think that the break is coming at a good time. Um I think that their bye week is coming at a great time. And when they do get a little bit of time to themselves to recover and recuperate, they're going to come back and they're going to be at home, a place that they like to play at. And there's going to be dogs. So it's going to be a good time. Um, but two losses in a row sucks, but I don't think there's a need to, to overreact on it. Um, if you guys want to disagree with us, feel free to bake us. Uh, <laughs> we're going to let you know where you can find us and do that. Claire, where can the people find you and your good work? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a Twitter. Um, yeah <laughs> you can't find me uh no i um i do stuff for the equalizer um i do stuff for hot time in old town i you know i might pop up places big big world cup you know i'm trying to do some stuff so we'll see exactly how that all shakes out but um mostly i'll just be yeah tweeting about the games that I'm watching at eight o'clock in the morning um, at Scout Ripley, which is my Twitter and uh, also the name of my music project. Support your local Chicago band in Scott Ripley. They're awesome. They make music for everybody's podcast, including this one. If you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you can do that at San Herrera. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore. Uh, you can find me and my work and places like secondcitysaga.com, uh, Hot Time in Old Town. Uh, similar to Claire, there's a World Cup happening, so I'm going to have some World Cup things dropping out there, so feel free to look for those. I'll do my best to retweet them so you can find them. Um, a lot of them will probably be on Stars and Strike FC and maybe a couple other places. Stay tuned. And if you want to do anything else, if you don't follow Claire, if you don't follow me, you have to continue your support of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay outside for the Chicago Stars, And you can do that by following us on all social media channels on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And you can go ahead and listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you have the time and you like what we do, you should rate and review us and give us a like or, you know, leave us a little message. We appreciate that kind of nice stuff. Uh, everybody enjoy your break. We'll be back with you. Uh, to talk about some more Red Star stuff and possibly World Club stuff. Enjoy your summer, guys. Peace.